Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, that's good wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome back to Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Folks, Thank you for tuning in. You picked a good one because our guest today is Dustin Myers, who's the owner of Old School Gym and Max Effort Muscle. This gym is world-renowned for its gritty, no-frills atmosphere, and he's had the likes of Arnold Schwarzenegger in there, C.T. Fletcher. And he's a strength and conditioning coach for the Ohio RTC, and so he's training Tomasello. He's worked with Reese Humphrey, Tommy Rollins, and that's what we talk about today. We talk about his journey from lifting weights in his dad's garage at age 12 to now owning you know, a world-famous gym. We also talk about how he got in with the Ohio RTC because you know he wrestled in high school but wasn't a great wrestler. And so how did he go from that to, to training these elite-level, Olympic-level athletes? The last thing I'll say is we do get into some more tactical stuff at the end in terms of diets and workouts that you can use now even if you're out of wrestling. So Really think you're going to enjoy this one. Check Dustin out on Instagram. It's Coach Myers underscore gut check. His gym is oldschoolgym.com. And he has an ebook on strength and conditioning for wrestlers. So, so definitely check that out. Fan of the week goes to Anthony Orneliaz. It's Anthony O R N E L A Z 4. And brother, I apologize if I'm butchering that name. I don't have a tongue for the, for the Spanish vernacular as they would say but thank you for listening to the show i really appreciate it lastly this episode is brought to you by our website wrestlingchangemylife.com it's brand new and i'm really proud of it so check it out it has all the podcasts on there all the little videos and clips and blogs i actually just wrote a blog on the three matchups we can't wait for at the 2020 olympic trials because the world championships has me excited for the next 10 months of wrestling so check it out wrestlingchangemylife.com And that's it, folks. Enjoy this episode. We'll see you again soon. Peace. Dustin Myers, welcome to the podcast, my friend. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Brian. How are you doing, man? Outstanding. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Nah, it's cool, man. I appreciate you having me on. I mean, you've had such a uh, kind of really elite list of wrestlers and coaches on here, you know, the, you know, Tom Brandt, Terrell Delagnev, and people are going to steal his names, and they're going to be like, Dustin Myers, like, who the hell is this guy, you know? <laughs> man, you're, <laughs> I, I appreciate that, but man, I was just uh, doing some research on you, and you know, for the folks who don't know, you own Old School Gym, and we'll get into that story, but 
you've had some legends come through that place, Arnold, and we were just talking about C.T. Fletcher. I mean, man, that is that is one of my favorite YouTube personalities. Yeah, C.T. was really cool, man. Definitely a larger-than-life personality. Uh, you know, he put us through a crazy arm workout here at Old School Gym a few years ago, and uh, he, he was a lot of fun to work with, and just, and just to have at the gym. I know he really appreciated the style of gym we, hear, we have here at Old School, and Kind of, you know, speaking of YouTube personality, kind of the funny thing about it, you know, he has a, a huge following on YouTube. And, uh, you know, YouTube is one of those places where sometimes if you dive into the comment section on, on whatever video, I mean, you can really fall down a rabbit hole of negativity and whatever else, right? So, mm-hmm. anyway, they put together this kind of a compilation of, uh, you know, of the video of him training us on this arm workout. Well, one of the things he had us do was like 20 sets of skull crushers. He had to work you know, from 50 pound dumbbells all the way down to like fives and then all the way back up to fifties all in one set. I mean, it was something ridiculous. And the part the clip of me doing it was maybe on like the, you know, 10th or 15th set. And he's like standing over me screaming and I'm on the floor doing these skull crushers. You know, I can barely (laughs) even move my arms. And it's funny, you know, the first comment that I saw show up on the video after it posted was, Who's the skinny little white bitch at 402 screaming <laughs> on the floor? <laughs> I was so mad. I was like, you didn't see the 15 sets before that, but you know, it, it just that's just kind of how it goes on YouTube comments. You know, you think here, here's my big break. I'm finally in CT Fletcher's video, and I'm just that skinny little white bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, his following is rough, man. They are they are oh, hard yeah. hardcore. <laughs> And, um, man, you gotta, you gotta share with the listeners kind of how, when you guys, before you started filming, it was real cool. Then they, and they flipped the cameras on and he flipped and he flipped the switch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, you know, the persona that you see on YouTube, I mean, that's definitely CT, but I would say it's a, it's a pumped up, exaggerated version of himself. He's playing a character of himself, you know, yeah. or I should, should say a character. So, you know, he walks in, you know, super nice, down to earth, polite, you know, shaking our hands. Oh, you know, I really like this gym. It's cool that you guys have a coal mine flooring in here, and you know, blah blah blah. And then, as soon as the uh, as soon as the cameras start rolling, he was like, "All right, damn it, let's go. It's time to get those arms swole." You know, just really <laughs> broke into character. I was like thinking, like, man, where'd this guy come from? That's so, awesome, man. He is so motivating, and to your point, just seems like a down to earth guy. Was a postman for years, or or a mailman for years, and then uh, just kind of became a YouTube personality, which is crazy. And so, how yeah, I mean, I think he, I think he was just kind of like your run-of-the-mill personal trainer out there in Los Angeles somewhere, you know, working, you know, personal training in the evenings, and then like working as a, as you know, working for the post office or something during the day, and training some clients, and start making some videos. Next thing you know, took off. So, I think you know he's a good example of the the power of uh, the internet and social media. If you have, you know, something out there where you can kind of motivate people and get people interested in in working out, and he was definitely able to do that. So. Well, and that's something I want to talk with you about as well, because you're an entrepreneur and you've branched off from having this gym to now you're, it looks like you're opening more locations. You have eBooks, you have gear, you have all this you know, kind of business coming from your, your main passion, your gym, which is, which is the cool part about it. So I definitely want to talk about that. But before we get there, for the folks who don't know, you run Old School Gym, which is about 20 miles south of Columbus, Ohio, and you're also the strength and conditioning coach for the Ohio RTC and for the Ohio State wrestling team, or you were at one time. But is that still your, your role, Dustin? Yeah, so I'm, I'm the strength coach at the Ohio Regional Training Center, uh, which is the you know kind of the Olympic arm of our 
you know, wrestling program at Ohio State. Um, I've been there. I've been the strength coach there since 2012. And for, let's see, how long is that now? That's seven years. So probably about four or five of those years, I also, in that role, served as the de facto, you know, strength coach for the Buckeyes. Um, you know, so now I, my role has kind of changed down there. I still work with the senior level guys, you know, Thomas Fellow, Morgan Smith, and, you know, as the other guys, you know, Colin Moore and some of these guys, as they graduate and continue to wrestle at the senior level, I'll still continue to work with them. Uh, but once we opened the new facility, Jennings facility, you know, Ohio State had wanted to create a full-time position mm-hmm. uh, down there to kind of run the strength program for the Buckeyes. And that was, I mean, I have all the qualifications, everything like that. I have my CFCS, I have my degree from Ohio State, but it was just really not something that'd be feasible for me with all these other businesses that I have. I mean, I would, would not be able to run my gym and my supplement line and things like that. So um, that's just kind of how things have shaken out down there that way. But, you know, still still involved with the program and, you know, really blessed to be a part of, uh, you know, something as special as they have down there at Ohio State. Dude, the new facility is unbelievable. But that's what I'm talking about, man. You got supplements. You got all this stuff going on. It's <laughs> it's so exciting. So hit us from square one, man. You're you're 10 years old, 12 years old. You start lifting weights with your dad in the garage. Take us from there, brother. Oh, man, we're taking it way back. Um, yeah, I mean, growing up, that was just one of those things. We had weights out in the garage. And even from as young as I can remember, you know, four, three, four, five years old, I remember my dad would, you know, he'd work at the steel mill and then he would come home and he'd lift weights. And it didn't matter whether it was summertime, whether it was wintertime in the snow, we had this old detached, you know, unheated garage. He'd go in there and lift weights. And, you know, in the summers, he was also helping, you know, coach football at the local high school. And at the time, you know, I don't even know if they had a weight room at the high school or they definitely didn't have strength coaches or personal trainers or stuff like every school has now. Uh, you know, so a lot of his football players, you know, in the off season, they would come come down and lift weights with him. You know, when he'd get off work, they would show up. and It was kind of like almost like the, the hangout. And I, w- I would sit out there, you know, five, six, seven years old and watch these high school kids, you know, who t- at that time to me seemed almost larger than life. You know, they're tall and they're, they're loud and they're out there lifting. It seemed so much so fun. I thought, man, I can't wait to be a part of something like that. And, you know, my dad would always say, well, when you're 12 years old, you can start lifting weights. And I just always looked at it. It's just something that you do when you're, when you're a man or whether you're a young man or whatever, you just lift weights. That's just part of your life. And I started lifting when I was 12 and really got into it. I think part of it was too, growing up, I never did any sports. You know, I never played little league. I never, you know, played football, soccer, nothing. You know, I didn't play any organized sports when I was young. So really my first experience with anything athletically or any sports really related was lifting weights at 12 years old. And I was really small for my age. Um, you know, up until, up until probably, you know, when I was 15 or 16, I was actually the, you know, the shortest, smallest kid in my class every year. And so that was one of those things where it's me and I can actually like get strong and, you know, make myself a little bit bigger than I am. So I really took to it and really liked it. And, uh, you know, I haven't stopped lifting weights yet and I'm 40 years old. So. And that's what I love about that story is a lot of us can relate to hanging out with the old man in the garage, you know, lifting weights. I remember you know, my brother and I, we're also super small. I mean, my brother Tanner wrestled 103 up to his senior year, and I wrestled 103 as a freshman. So we were small and even smaller in middle school, and we grew up in a big football town, and so we were, like, wrestling was almost irrelevant. And so all these big dudes right. were getting all the press, and so my dad goes, listen, you're probably going to be too small to play football. In fact, I don't encourage <laughs> it. But let's start lifting weights, and then you can get real good at wrestling. And so he bought us a barbell set for Christmas, and it was, like, one of those really small benches and bars, and 
But I remember right. doing it with my dad, and he'd chart out, you know, a month at a time, and we were just doing basic shit back then. Now, you know, I'm way into the kettlebells and the functional stuff, but back then it was just curls, military press, and bench or something like that. But it made a difference, man, and it strengthened up your mind, oh, you know? For sure. I mean, even the most basic program, when you do it consistently, is going to help, you know? So mm-hmm. that's kind of the beauty of lifting weights. You know, it's such a like a low entry point, anyone can start lifting weights and get stronger. You know, you don't have to have the best program in the world. You don't have to have one of my advanced strength programs. You could literally just start doing the most basic things and it's going to help you. So shit, even if um, you did body weight stuff, I mean, if you did 50 pushups, 50 squats for a month straight, you're going to see some freaking changes. Definitely. Definitely. So that was, that was also kind of one of the things with me, you know, I got into lifting weights and then I think maybe in eighth grade, you know, one of my, one of my best friends, Luke Spencer, he was a very good wrestler. And he was like, Hey man, I think you're little, you're strong. Now you like working out. Why don't you come out for wrestling? And I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a try. And I went out for like, you know, half a year in eighth grade, ended up kind of, you know, getting hurt. And looking back, it wasn't that serious of an injury, but at the time having never played sports, I thought my knee was like, I was going to be paralyzed or something, you know? <laughs> so I actually ended up like quitting, you know, or halfway through that year or something. And then didn't go out in ninth grade, but then in 10th grade, you know, he kind of stayed on me. and was like, man, he's like, now by that time, you know, by 10th grade, now I'm starting to get very strong because I've been lifting weights for, you know, five years or however long it was. And, uh, you know, he was like, man, he's like, come back out, come back out. So I ended up, you know, going back out in 10th grade, and, you know, wrestling through the rest of high school. And, you know, even though it was a really late starter, I really kind of took to it then and really enjoyed it. And I was glad that I did. But I don't think if I hadn't lifted weights first, I would have never started wrestling. So right, well, it's like wrestling lends itself to those small, powerful guys. And if if anyone does a quick Google search of you or checks out your Instagram, you certainly uh, you're certainly a powerful dude, man. You are absolutely jacked. And so, how did you take your love for lifting? Because a lot of people love lifting, and how did you right. take that into being an entrepreneur and, and running your own business? Like, what was the next step? Well, uh, so when I was in college at Ohio State. I don't know, this would have been maybe my second or third year. And my roommate, uh, Corey Gregory, who's now, you know, my business partner, we've been working together for a long time. He was personal training at kind of a local gym there. And he'd gotten a, uh, like a one year, uh, exercise science certificate from the community college up here in Columbus. And so he was done with school at that point and just training clients full time. I ended up getting like a desk job at that gym that he was working at. And, uh, he ended up, you know, got into a dispute with the the manager or whatever. And was, he said, you know what? He's like, I'm going to leave and open up my own place. And at the time, you know, this was in 1999, you know, it wasn't like today where everyone on on Instagram is an entrepreneur just because they sold girls <laughs> once or whatever. You know, it was like, like it wasn't really, and coming from the area we were from, you know, Eastern Ohio, it's very blue collar, you know, kind of definitely a poor area. And, you know, so it's not like we grew up around a bunch of entrepreneurs or had all these examples of people that had started businesses or whatever. And so I remember thinking he was crazy. I'm like, oh, you're going to leave here and open your own place? How are you going to do that? And so he opened a small training studio right up the road. And so I left with him and started kind of training clients there part-time. And, you know, Corey's one of those guys, very dynamic individual. At the time, you know, I, I didn't think, I'm like, he doesn't have any business experience. How is he going to do this? But he ended up kind of figuring it out and the business took off. And then by the time I graduated from Ohio State with my degree in English, I, you know, originally planned to go back to school to be a teacher. I was going to have to get my master's at that point. But that by then I was, you know, training clients full time and making probably as much money as I would as a teacher. I thought, well, screw this. I'm not going back to school, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was in maybe 2001. I ended up, you know, 
just training full time for a couple of years. And then in 2003, uh, we had an opportunity to buy an old gym that went out of business in Pataskala. And that was the original old school gym. And we kind of scraped together 10 grand and, you know, bought this old gym. And uh, at that point, I was a gym owner and I was all in and went from there. How exciting must that have been to, to kind of jump off the ledge and like the day or two before you got that 10 grand and bought that gym? It had to be an unreal feeling to be able to do that. Yeah, it was really cool because, I mean, even up to that point, I still don't know if I really believed that, okay, this is going to be how I'm going to be able to make my living. You know, I, I think there was a part of me that thought, all right, I'm going to keep personal training because at that point, it was only a year or two out of college. I was still kind of living a college lifestyle somewhat, mm-hmm. you know, still going out on the weekends and having fun. And I just kind of looked at it like, well, you know, I get to pay, get paid to lift weights. And I didn't really think that it was going to be possible to do that long term. and you know, cause again, this is before the days of social media, you know, I, I think it was kind of really at the beginning of like having a, a cell phone, you know, we weren't text messaging yet. And we have very little pictures from the early days of, you know, when we owned the first gym and, you know, we're first training and stuff like that. So I, I still don't think, I think until I, we opened the gym, that was when I started to realize, all right, maybe I'm going to be able to actually make a career out of this. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of ups and downs in those early years. You know, there was a many times where we thought, all right, are we going to have to kind of cash it in and close the gym or we have to move on to something else it, it took a you know a long time to get to get over the hump but uh we stayed with it and you know almost 20 years later here we are when was the first time you felt like you you made it like you were going to be okay oh man you know i i don't know i i think um i <laughs> i don't know no one's ever asked me that before i think once probably once we opened the new location, which was in 2008, which is where we've been, you know, ever since then. So we, the first gym we were at, it was very small. We kind of struggled there for about five years. It was only about 2000 square foot, but we, we finally got to the point where we were kind of overflowing a little bit and we had an opportunity to like rehab this old building. Uh, it's an old Kwanzaa hut, about 6,000 square foot. Uh, one of my clients, uh, her and her husband own it and they have like a car dealership and a car lot right beside it or an auto you know, mechanic place. Mm-hmm. They've been using this old building for storage for years and years and years. And we approached them about renting it out. But, you know, it had been used as st- you know, storage since the 80s. So you, you've never met a pack rat like, a, you know, <laughs> they save every little part, every little thing. Cause they think, well, I'll use this later. Well, there was, you know, 20 or 30 years of automotive junk and pieces of cars, stuff stored in here. And they came to us, we came to them about, you know, renting it out. And they said, all right, you guys can, uh, you know, put your gym in here, but you got to do all the repairs yourself. So Corey and I, we spent about a year rehabbing the gym. And at the time, you know, we, we took out a loan, but we wouldn't have had enough money to be able to pay contractors to do everything. So we did, you know, we learned how to do plumbing. We learned how to do electric. We built the, the wrestling room. We built the locker room. We did all the stuff on our own. At the same time, we were running our other gym. And at the time, it was a very, you know, very stressful time. And it didn't really feel like we were going to be able to get out of it. But we just knew, like this is going to be our only opportunity to be able to own a big gym and try to make it happen. We have to do this ourselves. And, you know, we'd come in on the weekends and work 18 hour days. And, you know, during the week we run our other gym and train clients all day. And then still come here in the evenings and, you know, pulling Romex through the rafters until midnight and whatever else we had to do. And I think once we finally got through that and opened uh, the current old school gym, I think that's when I felt like, all right, we're, we're actually going to be able to do this. We're going to be able to make it. 
Dude, I just fucking love the grind that you're talking about, man. Like those, you know, it's 11 o'clock on a Saturday. All your buddies are out drinking and you know, there's no girls around, but you guys are trying to figure out plumbing and you're like, how the hell is this going to help me run a gym? But obviously it all goes together. And so you literally built the gym you're in now. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, we, I mean, we I mean, not the, the outside the of it, but up. the inside of yeah, it. Yeah, 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 right, right. No, I mean, the, I'm sitting in my office right now and looking around. I still remember, you know, you know, basically framing this up and we obviously we had a lot of help we had buddies that you know i had a good buddy uh tim dixon an electrician where he would he helped us get all of the uh you know i mean this would have probably been you know 30 or forty thousand dollars worth of electric work but he helped us get all the equipment or all the material costs and he would come in on a saturday and kind of you know do the real heavy lifting you know maybe tie stuff into the box or things that we didn't know how to do but then he would leave us a checklist for the week he'd say okay i need you to run you're going to run PVC pipe over to here. You're going to pull Romex in locker rooms. You're going to mount the boxes here and would show us everything that needed to be done. And then during the week, I would do all kind of the quote unquote easy stuff. And then he would come back on the weekends and help me again. So we had a lot of help from guys like Tim Dixon and, you know, friends like that, that were contractors and your buddies of ours that, you know, really helped kind of lead the way because we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, You know, so if it wasn't for, you know, kind of our guidance and help, we wouldn't have been able to get it done. But I think, you know, something to really stress is the the reason so many people were you know willing to help us because we had built up a lot of goodwill in the community you know the five years prior with our gym you know we really just always focused on helping people and that's something that I always stress to entrepreneurs you know, everyone's you know focused on making money and you know building their brand and this and that you know from day one I've always just focused on whatever situation I'm in how do I help this person mm-hmm. and if you focus on helping someone the money comes back to you whether it's directly or indirectly. And the people that helped us, you know, build this gym and make it possible. Even the woman who rented, who her and her husband agreed to rent the gym to us, it was because I'd helped her lose 80 pounds and really helped her change her life. So I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from this story is, yeah, we had to grind and we had to really work hard, but none of it would have been possible if we hadn't helped all these people on the front end. So, And it's not just doing it for like a month or a day. You did it for five years before... You even thought about, you know, branching out, I think. Right. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard or listened to Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. Um, I'm familiar with him, yes. <laughs> but, but dude, you're, uh, you remind me of his of his methodology, man, for, if you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, okay, it wasn't cool 20 years ago. Now everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. But the bottom line is you got to do it day in and day out for, for the long term, 5, 10 years. And, you know, rather than trying to sell something here provide a little value up front. And that's what you guys did. And you know what I love about your story is you would be doing this even if you weren't getting paid to do it. If there's no social media, you would do the same job no matter what, as I would do this podcast no matter what. So that's what I love about your story. Absolutely. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I, you know, without a doubt, I was doing, you know, what everyone's trying to do on Instagram now. I was doing that 20 years ago and it's what I'll be doing 20 years from now. It's all I'll ever do, you know? And I mean, obviously you know, you have to make a living. You have to, there has to be a financial reward. And I believe it. And, you know, no one should ever feel bad about making money. You know, if you're good at your job, you deserve to be paid. And the people that are very good at their job and the more people you help, then the more, the more money you deserve to make. I mean, yep. that's, that's just how the world works. But yeah, I would be doing this regardless. The same way my old man was teaching, you know, his high school football players how to lift weights in the summertime at our house. He wasn't getting paid to do that. He did it because he wanted to help and he enjoyed it. So that, that's really the key. I'm, and I'm sure the people who listen to Gary Vee hear that, the people that listen to 
you know, Corey G on business and biceps, they hear that. And it's, it's a common thread you hear from probably all successful entrepreneurs because that is the formula that works. Focus on help, you know, find something you love to do and then focus on helping people. You hear, you know, kind of that cliche of like, oh, you find something you love to do. You'll never work a day in your life. Well, that is bullshit. You know, it's, it's still work. You know, there's never a day where like, I don't have to try hard or, you know, of course I would rather be just, you know, sitting at the beach with my wife and kid than, you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, doing, you know, computer work at the gym or whatever, but right. you have, you have to enjoy it. And you have to focus on helping people and try to make an impact on everyone you come in contact with. Yeah. And, and, and also like, let's just have some gratitude for the age we're in right now, because even if your dad wanted to become a, you know, a, a trainer for like elite high school athletes back in the seventies and eighties, there's no internet. And so there's really no way to do it. Now we have every advantage possible because of, of the internet and social media. And so we can really do anything, um, from the, the comfort oh, of your yeah. home, you know, like it's such a, we're in a, such a lucky time right now. And, um, I feel like we just have to take advantage of it. Now, what I, what I've really found interesting about your gym is you modeled it kind of after your dad's garage, so to speak. So like, can you, Kind of talk about the unique culture or vibe of your gym when people walk in. Kind of what do they experience and how is it different from uh, from a normal gym? Well, when we say we modeled after after my dad's gym, I think it's more just kind of the the mindset. You know, the the gym I grew up lifting in. It was it was dirty. It was loud. You know, the weights. You know, we're in there throwing weights around. We had rap music blaring. You know, things like that. And when they come to our gym, it's kind of the same thing. And then, the most common reaction I get from people when they walk in is they say, oh, this reminds me of the gym I lived at in high school, or this reminds me of my buddy's basement we used to lift weights in. And I always say, yeah, that's probably when you had the best workouts of your life. That's when you fell in love with training. You know, every, every wrestler who's ever walked through the doors here, they immediately love the gym because it feels like a place you come to work hard. It's grimy. You know, it smells like sweat. And there's nothing fancy to it. And I think any anyone who's ever whether you've trained at an elite level or not, you have probably had some of the, the best workouts of your life, the most grueling workouts of your life in an environment like that. And I think that's kind of what we have. And it, it's not even like we've had to work to preserve that. I mean, really, that's just kind of the culture of our gym. And people feel that when they come here, for sure. Yeah, and that's that's what, you know, I've never been there, obviously, but I can just imagine the kind of the smell and the vibe as you walk in and, and why wrestlers <laughs> gravitate to it. And so how did you get involved with the Ohio RTC and in the wrestling program there? All right. So, you know, we kind of talked about the early days of the gym and, you know, fast forward to, you know, maybe 2010 ish. That's at this point, we've had the new gym open for a couple of years and we're doing a good job here locally. And, uh, but at this, you know, social media hasn't taken off or anything like that really yet. Kind of still the early days. I think we, we probably like a MySpace account for the gym or something. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, we were still doing the same great things. We're doing a lot of the same great things we're doing now. It's just no one knew about us, yeah. you know. And, but we're starting to get a little bit of traction, at least here in Columbus. People are starting to, under, you know, know who we are. And I ended up also, too, I should, you know, kind of mention, I, I had started kind of developing a niche just here in town as training high school wrestlers. And even early on, I think I had, because I had a background in wrestling, um, and, and I still, you know, even though I, like I mentioned earlier, I only wrestled three years in high school, but I still really identified as a wrestler. My mindset was really, you know, as a young man, it really, wrestling is kind of what turned me into a man, I always like to say. So I already kind of, you know, felt and thought like a wrestler. So I think I had a good concept of how 
to train wrestlers from a strength and energy, you know, kind of standpoint. I understand what, what positions they need to be strong in, you know, why we need to stress, you know, core and our grip and pulling, you know, maybe more so than strength coaches were doing at the time with wrestlers. So I trained a lot of high school wrestlers at that time. And I ended up through a mutual business contact, ended up meeting Tommy Rollins. And, you know, I'd been familiar with Tommy, you know, he was a few years younger than me. Uh, but when I was at Ohio State, maybe my junior, senior year was when he was there as a freshman or whatever. And I, at the time, I, you know, kind of loosely followed Ohio State wrestling. And, um, you know, so obviously I was familiar with him. He was a legend here in Ohio, had a, you know, incredible career at Ohio State. And when I met him, he had been retired for two years. You know, he'd been runner-up to Mako in the Olympic trials in 2008. And we met him, we kind of hit it off. And um, I remember thinking, too, at the time, I was like, man, I can't believe I'm talking to Tommy Rowland. Like, this guy is an <laughs> absolute legend, you know, larger than life in the wrestling community. And he was like, you know what, man? You know, I know that you're, you've trained a lot of wrestlers, you know, and I, I, I'm thinking about making a comeback for 2012, but I've, I've been literally on the couch for two years. I, you know, I, I retired in 2008, went, you know, dove headfirst into the business world, thought I'd never wrestle again. And he told me, he said, you know, I, I was a gifted athlete, so I never really, you know, I, I did strength training or condition. I did whatever my coaches asked, but I didn't really understand it, and I didn't really like it. I just did what they told me to do. He said, I, but I know now if I'm going to make a comeback and be successful, this is going to have to be a very important part of it. But now at the RTC, you know, down at Ohio State, we don't have a strength coach. You know, all the guys are kind of just do, winging it, doing it on their own. He said, I need some guidance. Will you help me? And I was like, absolutely, I will help you. I can't, you know, it was like <laughs> a dream come true to work with a guy like Tommy Rowland. So it was one of those situations, again, you know, I never asked him for a dime. I never thought, okay, how can I capitalize on this? It was just, how can I help this guy? This is an opportunity for me to help an elite athlete, you know, someone that I've idolized in certain ways and also an opportunity for me to grow as a trainer, you know, before, you know, maybe when I, even when I'd work with high school kids, I'd think, all right, I'm just going to push them as hard as I can. I'm going to get them as strong as I can. I'm just going to make the workout the most miserable thing they've ever done. And anybody can do that really, you know? And I thought, but now I'm working with an elite athlete. We're going to try to make the Olympic team. And now I have to really put some thought into this and think like, okay, how am I going to help this guy improve? He's already been at the pinnacle of the sport. How can I help him come back and help him get better? And so I spent two years working with him. He would drive all the way out from Hilliard to Potassal, which if you're familiar with Columbus, it's like a 45-minute drive. He would drive out here, you know, three days a week, and I would work with him. We became great friends. And he made a, you know, had a great comeback, got back on the mat, and, um, you know, went through the, the whole trial process. You know, 2012, ended up becoming runner-up to Jake Varner, who then went on to win gold in London. So we were really close. And, you know, kind of a heartbreaking thing for Tommy. You know, it's funny because I would tell people, like, oh, you know, he lost his lost this guy and that guy ended up winning the gold medal and they would say, Oh, well at least he lost the best guy. I'm like, no, you don't understand. No. It's even worse. Yeah. You know, because that, that just shows how close he was, you know? I mean, I, I truly believe Tommy could have been the Olympic gold medalist that year. Uh, it just, you know, it was razor thin him not making the team and, you know, Jake making it, having a great draw and all those things. So, but anyway, long story short, um, that was how, you know, I kind of got on the radar, so to speak. And then, you know, after the Olympics that year, you know, Tommy had reached out to me and said, Hey man, he said, you, you know, you did a lot for me. You were a great help. I really appreciate everything you've done. He said, but you know, we have some of these other guys down at the RTC at the time. It was, uh, Reese Humphrey, Angel Escobedo and Keith Gavin. 
who are all, you know, very successful coaches now, you know, which is kind of, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, he said, man, do you think you could maybe come down here and volunteer and help these guys out a little bit? And so he introduced me to Lou Roselli, who was the RTC coach at the time. I met him. I met Tom Ryan. And, um, you know, I started driving down there three days a week to put these guys through workouts. And some days it would be all three of them. Some days it would just be me and Reese Humphrey. You know, Reese and I really hit it off right off the bat. And, you know, and that was it. And at the time, you know, our gym was still, you know, it's still kind of, you know, social media just starting to take off. Our gym's still, you know, struggling in some ways. And there would be days where, you know, I would have to drive down there and maybe only Reese would be there. And it'd be like the middle of a snowstorm in February. And, you know, it would take me an hour and a half to drive there because normally it's 45 minutes from my house. But, yeah. you know, in the wintertime with traffic and with snow, you know, it could take an hour and a half. My wife would say, She's looking at it as, at this point, I'm losing money. You know, I'm spending half a day, three days a week to drive down to, to Columbus and work out with these guys. And she would think, well, you should be spending more time trying to get clients at the gym. And in some ways, you know, I think she was right, but she also didn't really see the bigger picture. And it, I think it's, it's like that often for entrepreneurs or someone, you know, people are not going to see your vision immediately. And I, I saw it as, if I can just go down there and improve myself and make a difference and help Reese Humphrey help Angel Escobedo, help these guys improve, there's no way that I can't become more involved with the program. Because I saw it at that time in 2012, that was kind of the, the reputation for the Buckeyes was that these guys are excellent wrestlers, but they're not strong. They would get pushed around on the mat by Iowa and Minnesota and some of these other teams that were known for being kind of jacked. Right. And, you know, so after the first, you know, year and a half or year or so, I think I, you know, I ended up working, working out with Tom a few times and he really liked the stuff I was doing. He liked how I kind of focused on, you know, things that were wrestling related, but still worked on the basics as well. And, um, he started kind of, you know, through the RTC, let me start kind of working with a few of the guys that were red shirting. And then before you know it, I think, you know, maybe a year and a half or so in, they ended up you know, bringing me on as a staff member with the RTC and kind of turned over the reins to me, uh, with the actual collegiate athletes. And that, you know, that was even just going down there once was a dream come true for me as a, as a former wrestler and as a, as a Buckeye alum and as an Ohio State wrestling fan. But then to really be immersed in the program and to get to train the athletes was like unbelievable. And I think one of the things that maybe stood out that was different about me compared to other strength coaches or other guys you see anywhere else is that I train side by side with these guys, you know, not only am I lifting with them, but when it's days we got to go to the stadium and run, or we go to the track to run sprints, I run with them. And, you know, part of it is it's, it's a great excuse for me to really stay in top shape and challenge myself. But the big thing is I know that's the best way for me to challenge these elite athletes. They don't, you know, a 21 year old elite D one wrestler does not want to lose to a 40 year old strength coach. No, but you better believe it happens sometimes. So you know, that was a way for me to really bring out the best in my guys as they get in there. And it kind of started with it with Humphrey is I was like, all right, this guy is a freak athlete, but if I can challenge him on our sprint work, on our lifting, on the bike, whatever it is, I know I could, that is going to be how I can make them better. And that's what I would do when I would train the team as well. And they, I think the guys really respected that. I thought, you know what? I can't, I can't stand on my, my wrestling resume because I was not a great wrestler but I can gain their respect by showing that I'm in the trenches with them. I'm willing to work just as hard as they have to work and pushing them on a daily basis. And that was kind of my, my MO down there. Dude, how athletic is Reese Humphrey? <laughs> 
Reese is an absolute freak of nature. You know, I think he's the type of guy he could do any any sport he wanted to do. You know, I mean, if he was six foot tall, he'd probably be a cornerback in the NFL. Um, you know, he's just absolute freak, super great guy, fun to work with. I mean, we had a lot of fun, and I think that was when social media first started taking off for me and for him. Is that we would do these incredibly crazy workouts. A lot of days, you know, my early days down there at the RTC, it was just me and him. And we would just grind and grind and grind on these workouts. We'd post them and then we'd say, all right, let's, let's think of some challenges. And we would do, come up with these crazy, like, athletic challenges or core challenges and we'd post them. And that was when, you know, Instagram was kind of tailor made for the stuff we were doing and no one was really doing that stuff at the time. And that was when our accounts both really started to take off. And that's what really helped kind of boost my business also. Dude, what I love about that guy is he was the third guest I had and no one, I didn't wrestle D1. No one even knew who this podcast was and he did it just because he wanted to help me out. And it's, I mean, literally no one had heard of the podcast when he did it and it was unbelievable that he stepped up and we're, you know, we're not friends, I would say, but we, you know, we'll text maybe once a couple times a year or, you know, before a big tournament, but he's like just the nicest guy, man. And what he's doing now at the New Jersey RTC is amazing. Huge fan of Reese Humphrey. Oh, incredible guy, man. I, you know, had a great time, you know, the four years I was working with him here. We actually became really close friends. I mean, him and his wife and me and my wife, our kids, you know, we both have a boy and a girl and they're like real close in the same ages. So it was really great having here. I was really sad for him to go. You know, they kind of poached him and took him out to California. Uh, but now, you, you know, that was kind of the necessary next step for his career. We knew once he went out there, then he would have some really good opportunities coaching wise. And now you're seeing, you know, look what he's done at the, the New Jersey RTC. You know, he's only been there for a year put two guys on the world team, you know, two guys that arguably were not supposed to be in the conversation to even make the team. Right. Uh, both of them went there and, you know, scored points at the world level, you know, Downey helped, helped the team, won a couple matches, you know, Graf made it to the bronze medal match. And I think you're really just seeing what type of individual and what type of, of coach Reese Humphrey is. And this is really the beginning for him. Yep, absolutely. Now I know we're coming up on the end here. I have a, just a couple rapid fire questions for you. The first is, Dude, bring it, I, bring it. Cool. What I love about your story is, dude, you went to Ohio State, and at the time you were you were probably kind of a meathead like the rest of us. Like No one would have ever believed 10 years from now or 15 years from now you're going to be running a gym, and you are going to be, you were at the time the strength and conditioning coach for Ohio State. So I, my first question is, did you visualize these kind of things, or did it just kind of happen for you? Or did you know where you wanted to go? Well, you know, I mean, I think that the the opening of gym thing, it just kind of happened along the way. You know, it's something I always dreamed of about, but I wouldn't say I really thought it would happen. It just kind of fell in my lap somewhat. Um, as far as the strength coach for Ohio State, you know, I think once, you know, even when I was working with Tommy, I didn't think that that was possible. But once I really got my foot in the door down at the RTC, I think that was when I really started to visualize. At that time, you know, Corey, my business partner at the gym, his career was really taking off. And I kind of seen the way he was visualizing stuff and putting it in action and making it happen from starting a supplement company and all these other things. So I think once I was down there at the RTC, I realized like, you know what, I got my foot in the door. I am not taking it out. I am going to be the strength coach down here. I just, I was almost just something I knew. I thought there's no way that it's not going to happen because I'm going to make it happen. And it took a lot of work, but I, I think that I really, I, I knew it, but yeah, back in the day, no one would have ever guessed that. No, no one. And that's what I love is like, no one can tell you what you are or not possible of. I mean, super random, but I just watched the documentary on Travis Scott, the rapper, and like it, same kind of thing. They show him when he was five years old. Now he's like, whatever, 25. And, you know, he was talking about what he's going to do now back then, and no one believed him. But it's just, 
if we can just <laughs> shatter these self-imposed limits, there really there's a lot possible, you know. Um, well, I'll tell you, and mo- real quick before you give me my yeah, next question, hit me. I got to, you know, we so in life people put these self-imposed limits on themselves, and they worry about things that are outside of their control. They worry about this person and that person, what this guy's going to do. What I always stress, and what we always preach with our with our company, Max Ever Muscle. The one thing that you have control over every day is your own effort. And it is maybe the only thing you're going to have control over. So you always have to give maximum effort because that is one of the only things you can control. You know, when you think about it from a wrestling standpoint, you can't control whether you're going to draw the returning state champ first round or how much this guy worked or who's this guy coach, what, who his coach is or whatever. You can control your own effort. You can control how hard you work in the mat, on, you know, out there on the mat, how hard you work in the practice room, how hard you lift how hard you work in business, your own effort. So control that, and then the rest of the things will take care of themselves. Amen, baby. Amen. And I did not realize <laughs> that you also owned Max Effort Muscle. I I stumbled across the video you did on YouTube where you're making fish tacos back in 2016, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like, to, I like to cook. Yeah, you know, so that's one of the things I try to, you know, teach all these meatheads out there is how to be kind of well-rounded and how to cook and things like that. So, yeah, I have a uh, kind of a, a cooking series on there called Muscle Meals. Love so. it. Uh, second to last question is, in terms of your daily routine, obviously you're you're an animal. I see you working out all the time. What does your daily routine work look like? And then how are you kind of fitting in your own workouts in addition to your training? Well, I mean, my, my routine really varies, you know, day to day. I mean, but a typical day, I might get up at, you know, 430 or so, get up, have some coffee, head into the gym. I train one or two clients. Um, I still keep a few clients that I train early in the morning. Um, you know, and I may even work out with them. It just depends. And then, you know, just depend on that day. Either I stay here at the gym or I go down to the RTC to work with, you know, Tomasello and some of those guys. And again, I'll, I'll train with them as well. So a lot of times now, whether it's with, you know, Tomasello or with my high school wrestlers, I'll get you know, one of my workouts in a day with them. And then I'll fit another workout in at some point during the day. Typically, I train twice a day. And then, you know, kind of work on my ebooks and things like that. You know, I have a great, got to make a quick plug for them, my wrestling yes. conditioning series. You know, I'll work on those at some point during the day or whichever one I have coming out next. You know, obviously, you know, use some content for social media, do stuff here at the gym. Then before, you know, I try to make it home, you know, in time for, you know, my kids to get off the bus or, you know, even like tonight, you know, I, I'm coaching my son's soccer team, helping with that. We got to go there at six o'clock tonight and cook dinner and you know, spend some time with the wife and the kids in the evening and then start it over the next day. So a lot of variable day to day, but it's basically almost all of it revolves around fitness and family. And so. do you make time, like specific times throughout the day or the week to make content for social media and for your website? I mean, I know you just mentioned it, but Dick, do you block that off every week and stay diligent on that? Yeah. So there might, there's probably two days a week where I'll try to block off an hour or two hours worth of time to do specific content, you know, write articles, uh, shoot specific videos, but then a lot of it, I kind of do on the fly. Um, I try to capture stuff that we're actually doing, you know, maybe it'll be whatever, you know, me and NATO are doing that day or whatever sprint workout I'm doing that day, you know, I'll kind of capture it in the moment. So I would say kind of a a mix of the two. Got it. Okay. And then it's it's hard for me to limit this last one because I have so many questions I want to ask just selfishly about diet and things because I'm I follow you know the, the paleo diet six days a week and then I have one day where I go Dwayne the Rock Johnson style and I go crazy <laughs> on pizza and cookies <laughs> and and stuff like that but I guess the last question is what are your thoughts on 
kind of the ideal diet for a wrestler in terms of paleo, intermittent fasting, um, I guess kind of all of that just wrapped into one. What, what are your thoughts or what are some big misconceptions for wrestlers or even people who are trying to stay healthy after wrestling in terms of diet? Okay, that, yeah, that was about 40 questions. I know. One, I'll see <laughs> if, I can, if I can take a stab at it. <laughs> so, yeah, nutrition is a very multi-layered you know, subject. It's kind of hard to really you know, nail down say this is perfect for wrestlers or this is perfect for people after wrestling because everyone's body is so different. So, number one, I got to say, one of the biggest misconceptions I've been working to, to really change with my, my training style, with my content, stuff like that, is that wrestlers need to lose a ton of weight to be successful. I've had a great deal of success at the high school and at the college level of, you know, moving athletes up every year. If you look at, I think, two years ago, you know, when I was running the strength program for Ohio State, I think five of our 10 starters had moved up in weight from the year before or from the weight they were recruited at. So, um, so number one, the biggest misconception is that guys got to suck a lot of weight to be successful. So I think, you know, diet-wise, now that doesn't mean you can just get big and bloated and, like you said, Dwayne The Rock Johnson style and eat whatever you want. You need to be disciplined in the way that you eat year-round, not just during the season. I think a lot of wrestlers run into problems because they eat whatever they want in the off-season. They gain a ton of body fat, maybe a little bit of muscle, and then when it comes time to try to make weight, they're scrambling and starving themselves. So I think year-round, I think the paleo diet or even eating kind of paleo-ish is great. I would say it's maybe you know somewhat similar to the way that I eat. I, I stress to you know even my high school wrestlers, you know, stay away from processed food, stay away from fat food or fast food. You know, try to eat things that have one ingredient. So as much you know, meat, fruits, vegetables, nuts, eggs, avocado, you know, as much things like that as you, as you can every day. Uh, so just kind of give a quick template of how I tell my high school wrestlers to eat. I tell them, all right, first thing in the morning, wake up. And before school, you know, inter intermittent fasting and stuff like that, I think is great for people once you're done growing. You know, I do a version of fasting myself. I have coffee in the morning that don't eat after my first workout. But for high school kids, your body's still growing. Wake up, eat some eggs, eggs and toast eggs on a bagel, whatever it is, whatever combination, eat some eggs first thing. And then during school, I tell them to snack on, you know, either have a protein shake mid-morning or some nuts and fruit, you know, keep that in your locker. Then during lunch, you know, try to have something somewhat healthy, you know, stay away from French fries, stuff like that. If you can pack, you know, lunch and maybe have, you know, chicken and brown rice or something along those lines, that'd be perfect. You know, and then maybe, you know, mid-afternoon, have another snack, some nuts or some fruit. You know, and you have lifting or wrestling practice or whatever after school. And then I tell them usually, you know, hey, try to eat whatever mom, you know, makes for dinner. But in an ideal world, you would have, you know, maybe steak and a sweet potato and a salad, you know, something like that for dinner. And the closer they can eat like that, the, the better. Um, you know, if they're going to have some extra stuff on top of that, that's fine. But I think the closer they can kind of stick to that template, they're going to gain strength, gain muscle. Their body fat's going to stay kind of, you know, in the lower ranges in that 10 to 10 to 13 range. And you want to try to get that closer to a 10% range once they get into season. See, that's what I love about that paleo kind of diet, right? It's like you still get to eat steak and sweet potatoes. You get to have chicken and rice. I mean, you know, the brown rice, I think, is, is the one area where I don't know how some people feel about it for paleo. But bottom line is you can eat that, that all that good food. And it's one ingredient. Like, that's like the basic shit I'm talking about. I love that, man. Um, yeah, yeah. So, well, that's why I said kind of paleo-ish. I don't, I don't like to tell people that I eat paleo because it is, it's some of the same concepts, but there is other stuff, you know, grains and stuff thrown in there. Uh, you know, I eat a lot of quinoa, a lot of brown rice and things like that. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, I, I would say you're not far off for sure. 
I love it, man. And I think people are going to get a lot of value from this just because of just that piece right there. Um, changing the diet, I think, is huge and it affects how you feel. It affects how you, your mind operates. And it's been, uh, it's been a game changer for me. I know when I stopped wrestling in college, I, w- I wrestled 149 and about a semester later, I was up to 183. And luckily, my mom kept me honest. She goes, you're fat, man. <laughs> and, uh, and ever since then, that was kind of a wake-up call that, hey, the metabolism does slow down. But it's not like we just have to accept the fact that when we're 30 or 40, that's it, right? That's bullshit. I mean, you can you can change right. your whole physique and your mindset just by eating clean and by working out, man. Oh, yeah. I think you know, people get older, especially ex-athletes. They get out in the real world, and maybe they don't train like they used to. And they just accept aging. It's like, okay, now I'm supposed to be old and fat and weak. And I, they live on their glory days of what they did you know, wrestling in college or playing football in high school or whatever. Like, People get old and weak and out of shape and fat because they let it happen themselves. And there's no shame if that's what you let happen, but there is shame in letting it continue. You know, So for anyone out there that's listening that is not happy with where they're at physically right now, I'm going to say, just like I talked about effort later or earlier, you can make the change right now. You just have to commit. It just you know starts with today and then the next day is tomorrow. One step at a time, one foot in front of the other. That's it. And if they want to learn about that stuff your website's a great place for it so what what are all the the spots you have online you have the website you have the the blog the supplement companies hit them with where they can find you and all the things you'd recommend checking out well i'll tell you i got so much stuff out there that you really have no excuse not to check out what i have i mean if you want to follow my daily stuff that's where i do a lot of the craziness on instagram at coach myers underscore gut check if you're more of a facebook guy or gal you know i, I think it's uh, at Coach Myers Gut Check, but without the the underscore in there, um, I got my wrestling strength ebooks are available at wrestlingstrengthtraining.com. Uh, if you want to check out all the, you know, check out our our line of supplements, Max Effort Muscle. We also have tons of content on there. My cooking show, Muscle Meals, is on there. Um, on YouTube, Old School Gym OH, uh, and then just the VA address for the gym is or the web address for the gym is oldschoolgym.com. Or check this one out join a real gym on Instagram. Perfect. And what's one supplement you recommend starting with to, to start with? Cause sometimes it can be overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt, man. Um, you know, most of our supplements are very basic. You know, we don't have all this crazy stuff out there and these borderline ingredients that we don't know if they work or you don't know if they're going to pop you on a drug test or whatever. We stick to the basic basics and what works. And our most popular and my favorite is our amino recovery. We actually formulated it specifically for wrestlers and combat athletes. So it's branched chain amino acids and glutamine and also electrolytes. So it's going to help you rehydrate after a tough workout, after conditioning, after lifting, whatever. But those branched chain aminos and glutamine are absolutely crucial, especially if you're on somewhat of a calorie restricted diet, it'll help you maintain your muscle mass and maintain your strength during wrestling season. So helps your body kind of repair the, muscle, the damage you've done during your workout helps you recover and will help you maintain your muscle and your strength. Awesome, man. I might even take a look at it because I, I was looking at it before the, the interview here and I want to get your take on, hey, if I'm going to start with one, what would you recommend? So that, that's perfect. The amino, the amino recovery without a doubt. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast, man. This was a lot of fun and I know I got a lot from it. Greatly appreciate your time, sir. Thank you. Thanks, man. And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.